They sought the Lord. God met them and blessed them, and then they eventually start to stray. And we have to be careful that we don't take for granted the God who made us. We do not, as it says here, scornfully esteem the rock of our salvation. Let that never be named among us. It's easier to remember to seek and cling to Jesus when we're in the hard places of life. Jesus is the one who rescues us and has promised to always be with us. So it's an important and excellent mindset to be in. Today, though, Pastor Daniel reminds us that it's just as important to cling to Jesus when everything has fallen back into place. We can't turn away from our Savior simply because we're not in danger anymore. Jesus is always our hope for survival. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 32 with his continued study called Moses Song. All right, let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. We're picking up in the middle of this chapter in about verse 10. But I was thinking about Moses a lot lately. I mean, we're in these last few chapters of the book of Deuteronomy. And I know for me, here at Crossroads, we've been studying the life of Moses for over four years now, with Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and now Deuteronomy. And we're in these last few chapters. And I was thinking about, you know, you've all heard it said that if you want to understand a book, you should read the first chapter and the last chapter, and you can kind of fill in the middle. And I was thinking about Moses' last chapter, because really what Moses does is he appoints a new leader. That's the first thing that he does. Then he writes a song. So he's writing a song. And then he blesses everybody. And he goes home to be with Jesus. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like a good way to go out. You know, it's like you appoint and you put your successor in place. You write a little music. You bless everybody. And then you go home to be with Jesus. Because that's pretty much what goes on here. Moses appoints Joshua in chapter 31. We're in 32. He wrote the song of Moses. He wrote some music that they would remember. In chapter 33, he goes through all the tribes of Israel and he announces God's blessing upon them. And then in chapter 34, he goes home to be with Jesus. So if you ever want like a vision for the last chapter of your life, find your successor, write some music, bless everyone and go home in glory. Sound good? All right. I mean, I think it's good. As a musician, I'm like, I like it, this whole thing. So let's pick up. Chapter 32, in verse 10, Moses says this. It says, he found him in a desert land and in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled them. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye, as an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. So the Lord alone led him, and there was no foreign God with them. He made him ride in the heights of the earth, that he might eat the produce of the fields. He made him draw honey 
from the rock and oil from the flinty rock, curds from the cattle and milk of the flock with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the choicest wheat and you drank wine the blood of the grapes, but Jeshurun grew fat and kicked, verse 15. You grew fat, you grew thick, you are obese. Then he forsook God who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons, not to God, to Gods they did not know to new gods, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear. Of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful. You have forgotten the God who fathered you. So I realize that we kind of just drop in in the middle of this discussion. But what we learn right away is that God found the children of Israel in the midst of a wilderness. I mean, you have to remember that depending on where we place this finding, whether it was with Abraham or it was with the children of Israel in Egypt enslaved, God took them from where they were and brought them into some place they had never been before. And in order for God to do that, it says he encircled them, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye in verse 10. So what I love about the Lord is that he'll take us from right where we are and then he'll encircle us. And that that speaks of an amazing protection that God wants to give each one of us. He wants to be our rear guard and he wants to be our breastplate. He wants to take care of us and then he instructs us. But that idea of him keeping us as the apple of his eye, as he spoke of here, that speaks of something that is the most precious. And I think sometimes we have a tendency to forget how precious God sees us as. Do you realize that you are precious in the sight of God? Now, it's kind of unfortunate, kind of post the Lord of the Rings movies, every time I say the word precious, I hear, my precious... So it's not like the kind of Schmeagol Gollum thing, you know. But the idea is that God holds his people in a special place in his heart. And he instructs and he leads. And then it goes on and it says that in verse 11, as an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on his wings, so the Lord alone led him and there was no foreign God with him. And so what we find out here is that God is being pictured here in very maternal terms now, like an eagle over her little eaglets. And Jesus uses the same maternal imagery, talking about how I wanted to protect you under my wings. And so the idea is that even though we call God Father, there's all this maternal care, how much God cares for us. And so the Lord alone led him, and we get this note that there was no foreign God with him. So God's people were set apart for the Lord. Now, as you move into verse 13, it starts talking about how God has cared for them. And in a lot of ways, it would seem that this almost pushes us to the future. Like we've seen how God provided in the past, and now we're starting to look towards what's going to happen. 
Because he says here, he made him ride on the heights of the earth, that he might eat the produce of the fields, that he might draw honey from a rock and oil from the flinty rock, curds from the cattle and milk of the flock with the fat of lambs, the rams of the breed of Bastion, verse 14, and goats with the choicest wheat, and you drank wine, the blood of grapes. See, this speaks about the blessings that are coming for them in the promised land. Now, I realize that some of these things, they, you know, they're like, wow, it doesn't sound like blessing. But the idea of like, have you ever gotten honey out of a rock before? No. Because rocks don't produce honey. But he's saying, I've provided for you in every way possible. There's oil out of the flinty rock. Curds from the cattle, milk from the flocks. See, we take all these things for granted because we live in 21st century America where, you know, what kind of oil you want? You want avocado oil, you want extra virgin, you want canola oil, you know, you want partially hydrogenated oil, you want, you know, whatever you want. You have all these types of oil and you talk about getting milk, you know, and, and having milk. You're like, well, I like almond milk, you know. Some of you are really hip, you like hemp milk, you know what I mean? And you're like, I, I like, I like low fat milk and I like, I like kefir, which I don't even think that is milk, but it's in the, it's in the same case, you know. I don't even know what that stuff is. <laughs> anyway, it's like you have all these types of milk, but in that day, these things were very precious. All the things had to be right. You have to realize that like before there was a, a, an industrial food industry, they were completely dependent on what was going on. And so in order to have ripe grapes that you could actually make oil with, in order to have enough grazing land for cattle to be able to produce milk and milk in abundance for everyone, long before there was milk farms and all this stuff. And so all of these things, it speaks of God's blessings on the people in the land. It talks about the fat of lambs and the rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the choicest sweets. They drink wine, the blood of the grapes. All these pictures are pictures of God's abundant blessing and care. But notice, and verse 15 is kind of terrifying, but Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, you grew thick, you are obese. Then he forsook the God who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. Now that word Jeshurun, it literally in the Hebrew means the upright one. And Isaiah picks up the same name for the children of Israel. Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb, who will help you, fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. That's Isaiah 44, verse 2. So he says, because I've blessed you and I've made you upright because of who I am, but notice they grew fat and they kicked, and the idea of kick that speaks of being rebellious. You grew fat, you grew thick, you are obese. Then he forsook the God who made him. So the idea here is instead of translating the blessings of God, they hoarded them and they kept them to themselves. And ultimately, the blessings of God became a reason for the people to stray from God. We can call this the curse of affluence. And you know I have to go here. We have the marks of this in our generation in a major way. We've been blessed by God in so many ways, but if we are not careful, we begin to take those blessings for granted. And we begin to forget that those blessings are the fruit of a good God who provides for us, and we begin to think, it's because of me. You have to ask yourself, are you one of those people today who God has blessed and you have forsaken the God who made you? Have you begun to scornfully esteem 
the rock of your salvation. Normally, when that kind of a question is asked, everyone says, nope, not me. Right? No, that's not me. But we got to ask ourselves honestly. we got to say, Spirit, will you search my heart and know me? And if there's any wicked way in me, lead me in the way of everlasting. Because I'll be honest, I'm, when I look at my own heart, I see the blessings of God and I see how easily I can take them for granted. How easily you can begin to forsake God in the midst of a blessed season. And especially when you come from a season of intense brokenness and issues and you fall upon your knees and you begin to seek the Lord in a very personal way and then all of a sudden once you move out of the crisis time and God's blessings start to flow very easy, you start to drift away. And the children of Israel, all through the Bible, we see this with them. They were in a hard place. They sought the Lord. God met them and blessed them and then they eventually start to stray. And we have to be careful that we don't take for granted the God who made us. We do not, as it says here, scornfully esteem the rock of our salvation. Let that never be named among us. Notice it says in verse 16, they provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods, with abominations. They provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons, not to God, to gods they did not know, to new gods, verse 17, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear of the rock who begot you. You are unmindful and have forgotten the God who fathered you. See, what happens is, is when we start to take the things of God for granted, then what happens is we begin to worship other gods. Now, we live in a day and age where we're kind of too sophisticated to call the things that we forsake the true and living God for other gods. But we have them, things like pleasure and status and money and relationships, all these different things. And what happens is, is in the time of Moses and even in the time of Jesus, these gods were given names. Like where Jesus said, you can't worship God and mammon, money or materialism. These are all things that are vying for our hearts. The Bible calls them idols. We have a tendency to call them maybe struggles or temptations. But what happens is, is that if you are not careful, you find yourself in the midst of God's blessing. You become unmindful of God. And you have forgotten the God who is your father. Now listen, if as you're hearing this today, if you're like, I think that's me. I think it's me. I'm one of those people. God has blessed me and I find myself straying. The Bible has a word for what God invites us into and that's the word repentance. And repentance is literally a word of a restoring of a relationship. See, God has not left you. But we all struggle and... We're like sheep, we go astray sometimes. We lose our way. And if that's you, then I just turn back to the Lord. That's what repentance literally means. It's a change of heart that leads to a change of mind and a change of direction. And if you're somebody who is following at a distance right now, kind of like Peter did. Remember when Jesus was arrested? Peter swore he was never going to forsake Jesus. But sure enough, as Jesus got arrested, it says that Peter followed at a distance. Didn't follow close. He was at a distance. And then those temptations to forsake Jesus came and he fell for all of them. Or the guy who was willing to give up his life 
for the Lord wouldn't even cop to knowing Jesus to a servant girl. And that's what happens when we follow at a distance. And I know when I look at my own life and my own heart, how easy it is. It's almost effortless to begin to follow the Lord at a distance if we're not careful. It's like it can happen a few soft choices. Sure, sometimes it happens when we make horrendous decisions, but the slow slide begins with soft choices. Ones that we're confronted with every day. And so let's make sure that we follow close. Now in verse 19, we start to see how God is going to respond to this provocation, this rejection of him by his people. It says in verse 19, and when the Lord saw it, he spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them and I will see what their end will be for they are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faith. They have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols, but I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move them to anger by a foolish nation for a fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn to the lowest hell. It shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. Verse 23, I will heap disasters on them. I will spend my arrows on them. They shall be wasted with hunger, devoured by pestilence and bitter destruction. I will also send against them the teeth of beasts with the poison of serpents of the dust. The sword shall destroy outside. There shall be terror within for the young man and the virgin, the nursing child with the man of gray hairs. I would have said, I will dash them in pieces. I will make the memory of them to cease from among men. Had I not feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their adversaries should misunderstand, lest they should say, our hand is high, and it is not the Lord who has done all this. For they are a nation devoid of counsel, nor is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, verse 29, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. How could one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them? See, what we find, and this is about the, what we look at as the history of Israel is that because they forsook the Lord, the Lord removed his protection and his blessing from their life. And we see this over and over and over again because if you read your Bible, you find that after the time of Joshua, you have the period of the judges. And the common phrase in that book is the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And they were getting pressed in on every side. And ultimately, you have all these problems with the Philistines and the Assyrians and the Babylonians when we studied the book of Daniel together. All these different nations are coming against and pressing against the children of Israel. And the reason this is happening is because they have forsaken God and then God is allowing the natural outgrowth of their rebellion to take place. And God begins to fight against his people. Now, when we talk about all these things, it's kind of horrifying. Now, you might say, well, what does this mean for us as believers? And I think that's an important place to start to look at this because you have to realize that when you are in Christ, God is not angry with you anymore. You have to know that. 
For the children of Israel, because Jesus had not yet come, they were responsible. And we're responsible as well. But all of God's anger against our rebellion, he took out on Jesus on the cross. We live post-cross and post-empty tomb. And it's a different reality. So even when one of God's kids rebels, God is not angry with them. But we do when we live in rebellion against God. We disable our ability to be sensitive to the blessings of God. And the presence of God. We become numb to the rhythms of the Spirit. But he's not mad at you. If you're in Christ, listen, God knows that there's not one of us who has had a perfect day. I'm perfect because Jesus is perfect and he dwells in me. I've done a million things wrong already today. I'll just be honest. So it's 80 degrees outside. I thought to myself, man, if I wasn't the pastor, I'm not coming to church today. I was drinking iced tea, sitting in the backyard. And I'm like, man, that ain't right, Lord. I'm just going to call in vitamin D needed, you know? And I was thinking about that. Now, I realize that's sinful. I'm confessing. You pray for me. You know, but I thought about it. I'm like, man, even one of our assistant pastors can call in Sonny. But I can't. And I started feeling a little bit frustrated about that. And then I think to myself, you know, Lord, I haven't had one perfect day. But God's not mad at me. God doesn't come and say, oh, Daniel, you're so horrible. And, you know, it's like, I know who you are. I adopted you. I'm doing a work in you. I have a plan for you. So just show up. It'll be sunny again later. But I want to make sure, because when we're reading What's going on for the children of Israel? Because Jesus has come and he is real and he already died on a cross to receive the punishment for our sins. Things are different. The new covenant is a new reality in relationship. But for the children of Israel, they experienced all of this. Ultimately, of course, after their rejection of Jesus, the children of Israel were displaced from their land. The temple was destroyed in 70 AD. And so the idea is, in one sense, when you're in your father's house, walking with God, you experience these abundant blessings. But when you forsake God and you provoke God, then you experience the exact opposite. And that's why we call this series Cause and Effect, right? Because we've been seeing it all through the book of Deuteronomy, that every action has some sort of an effect. And we have to really ask ourselves in our relationships with God, with other people, in the way that we move through the world, are we living into the things of God's kingdom so that we can experience God's presence and blessing, or are we living in a different way? And that's why I always talk about the need to simply respond to Jesus. Because at every moment, Jesus invites us to be a part of of who he is and what he is doing in the world. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel reminded us today that as followers of Christ, we're not under the condemnation of the law ever since Jesus came to die for our sins. However, the principles of cause and effect that are laid out for us under the law still exist and apply. When we rebel against God's requests and desired attitudes, we won't have open hearts to the blessings He wants to give us. 
We can always repent, though, and start fresh. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced for messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. One of the things that I'm the most stoked about is that this year we launched a brand new campus in Southwest Portland. We would love to invite everyone to come and join Crossroads Southwest Portland on Sundays at 10 a.m. We're growing, and honestly, not just in Southwest Portland, but all over the country and the world as people join us at our online campus, 9, 11, and 1 p.m. or Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. on our online campus, crossroadslive.tv. Now here's Josh with what's coming up on our next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel shares the conclusion of Moses' song. In it, we'll discover that God has always had a plan for the atonement of sins. He also requires us to have an active faith, one that doesn't simply sit and let God work. God wants us to take part in leading others to salvation by going and doing. We hope you'll join us again and that you'll let God inspire you to dive into the work of His kingdom. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Cause and Effect. Until then, may God bless.